Hello and welcome back. This will be Kyle High Club MMA episode number eight. Um, I'm real excited for this episode mainly because I'm excited about what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, got a paper event, uh, pay per view event ahead of us. UFC 236, Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, on at the State Farm Arena on April 13th, 2019. Um, <clears throat> today is Tuesday of that week, uh, April 9th, and uh, there's a lot of good fights on this card. It is the first uh, ESPN, well, first pay-per-view card that you can only purchase through ESPN+, Plus, um, which I don't really understand. Um, I think, I mean, we'll see how the numbers do, but I think that will... I don't know. I don't really understand why they're making... You have to go through ESPN Plus to purchase it. Because what if... So you can't just, like, purchase it on your TV? Um, I mean, I guess... I mean, some TVs, have, you know, you have the smart TVs and the apps and stuff. But you can't just purchase it... I don't know. you got to go online and do it or through the app. You know, older generation, probably most of the... F- fight fans out there that actually pay for tickets and you know UFC fight pass and things like that you're I think that's gonna be crippling and especially for the mainstream audience because you're gonna have to try to find it you have to go to ESPN plus I don't even know if you need an ESPN plus subscription I have no idea um if you're forced to have ESPN plus subscription and buy the card, then that's fucked. Um, I don't think that's the case, because that would be really dumb, because then that would really hurt the sales of the card, and any pay-per-view card or anything you buy from them. Um, I don't know. I don't really care too much about that. I don't want to get into that. I don't even want to talk about that. It, but I wrote it down, so I, I talked about it. <laughs> but... <clears throat> Yeah, there's some really good fights on this card. I didn't look forward to them. I had two weeks to do this research because there's no fights uh, this past weekend. At least no UFC fights or fights that I was aware of and wanted to talk about. Um, So yeah, I got my research done a little early here on Tuesday and a lot of news has happened between last MMA uh, podcast and this one. and some really big news came out today, and honestly, I'm going to talk about that before I get into the fight breakdown. So if you're really just interested in the fight breakdown, you can go ahead and for- fast forward through this. But I'm assuming if you're listening, then you like, then you'll want, then you're interested in in, the, in this news. Um, but today, so we know, we all know, knew that. At least if you pay attention to the UFC and MMA news, that TJ Dillashaw, former 135 band weight champ, tested positive for a banned substance uh, in his fight leading up to uh, his attempt to grab two belts to go down into the 125 flyweight division and defeat Henry Cejudo for that belt. Um, and so TJ uh, popped positive for a test. He willingly gave up. Uh, give up his belt for because the test po- uh, positive test came out. Um, of course, my I have my cat outside right now, and she wants in, so I'm gonna go ahead and let her open and not pause. 
you know, because I'm only four minutes in. So excuse me, but she's a needy bitch. It's female, so. Um, but hey, at least I let her roam free, right? Yep. So, um, so yeah, TJ willingly gave up his belt after his positive test came back. Um, and then today, USADA essentially uh, gave their verdict and reported their findings. Uh, and I didn't read their findings word to word, but I read some stories on it. Uh, I read the story that Brett Okamoto um, broke um, from ESPN. Uh, I've also read some things Errol Hawani has said about it as well. I saw some tweets and things like that. Um, <clears throat> but today, USADA ruled that TJ Delashaw would be suspended for two years because he uh, tested positive for EPO, um, which is a huge deal. Um, EPO and Jeff Nowinski actually, there was a quote and I think it was Brett Akamoto's uh, um, article. I thought he wrote it. I don't want to give give props to the wrong person. Yeah, so Brett Okamoto o- Okamoto? I don't know how to say your name, bro. I don't know you, sorry. But, um... <clears throat> He essentially had a quote in there from Jeff Nowinski, who's who doesn't work for USADA, but he works for the UFC and helps fighters, you know, with drug te- the drug testing program and things like that. And um, he essentially, you know, he was the one that, uh, you know, went after Lance Armstrong during the Tour de France areas when he was doping, and basically everyone's doping and probably still are. And he says he know, he's very aware of EPO because EPO, uh, I'm not a scientist and I don't really remember exactly what it does, but essentially makes your stamina better, makes uh, your lung capacity stronger. Um, and that's bro, straight bro science, straight high science. Um, so this is a huge deal that he tested positive for this. It's a very, I mean, it's a well-known drug. <clears throat> and as far as Nowinski said, it's top of the list as far as, like, severity of crime. So TJ Dillashaw got the max uh, two lengths this year suspension, and he and his team did not contest their findings. So he did it. Um, it's, I mean, 100% proof right there and I initially read he tested positive the day before the test January 18th um, and the fight was the 19th so he tested positive the day before but you know of course they don't get the test results back that quickly um, it's not I don't know it's just not how it works maybe they could try to do that maybe have like a lab set up in the stadium but god damn that's so much money um, you know I don't see that ever happening um, but he, he failed the, the, the day before test. And then they also went back to a test in late December and also tested that for EPO and that tested positive as well. So it wasn't something that they found one time and not after or another time they went back and tested old uh, samples cause they always, they usually collect several samples whenever they get a sample 
Um, and that one tested positive for EPO. And USADA came back and I think they said they didn't test the the one back in December for EPO because EPO requires a separate test and it's kind of an expensive test and they don't always do it for all samples because there's a whole nother test they have to do. But no, you know, if an issue comes up and they get flagged for something, then they'll go back and test past samples like they did with this one. Um, so it's not even just one, you know, piss test that he popped for. He popped for two and possibly even more. Uh, so, yeah, man, um, I think Dillashaw's just ru- ruined his entire reputation as a as a mixed martial arts fighter, as a UFC fighter. Um, and the guy's still skilled. You still have to go in the ring. You still have to put in the work and become, you know, beat these people. And, you know, but if other if the other guys are, are passing the test and they're clean, then that's cheating. And that's, I mean, that's just the rules. I understand everyone wants a, a competitive edge. Uh, and, you know, I'm for steroids and fucking baseball. I don't give a fuck if those guys uh, do steroids. You know, you're just going to hit the ball harder and throw it harder. And just make the ball even go further. So, I mean, but in fighting, you're literally fighting. <laughs> you're attacking another human being. So it makes sense to not be on steroids because we don't want to you know, actually, you know, extraordinarily damage somebody, you know, I mean, that is the name of the game, and it is exciting, people love seeing fucking one-punch knockouts and spinning head kicks, um, but all that stuff is already dangerous in itself, you don't need somebody, you know, juiced to the gills on fucking roids, and beating the fuck out of people, you know, yeah, he's a 135 or 125 pound guy, he's a small guy, but, I mean, he'd kick my ass, and the guys he's fighting are his size, too. Um, so it's unfair advantage, and <coughs> you know, he's not going to be able to fight for two years, and that's going to suck. Um, I don't even know how old he is, but I think early 30s. Yeah, 33, so he'll be 35. By the time he's allowed to fight again, and who knows if he'll be able to come back and actually fight or not. It's tough. It's tough to hear. It's tough to know that a guy could be so dominant and so good, and he was cheating the entire time. And it sucks. Um, It's a bummer. And it's fun. It's not funny, but it's weird because back before Cody. Cody Garbrandt, Cody No Love Garbrandt, and TJ Dillashaw fought for the first time for the belt. Um, I don't remember the date or the event number. Because I'm high, bitch. But uh, (laughs) the first time they fought for the belt, Cody said, oh, TJ's on PEDs. Like, he yelled that out at some point. I don't even remember when. But I remember him saying it. Everyone just shrugged it off, and TJ denied it. And everyone just cared about the business. And then T.J. Dillashaw knocked him out twice uh, in exciting fashion. 
Um, not saying he knocked him out because of PEDs, but he did get knocked. But Cody Garbrandt did get knocked out by a guy twice on PEDs, and he predicted it. He he said that, and they used to train together, so maybe he had some insider info, and he actually knew what was up. And maybe it's deeper than we all think, and maybe. Cody and Uriah's team do it as well, or they know people that do. I'm, I'm sure they do. I mean, especially Uriah, he's deep in that game, man. I'm sure he's been on some shit. He probably retired, you know, got on the juice, and then he knew the protocols. He took two years off from then get off it, and now he's talking about a retirement. You know, who knows? I mean, I'm just bullshitting. I mean, it's probably a lot more prevalent than we think, but I think it's good when... You know, and I think it sucks. It sucks for TJ, and I don't even know if it sucks for the sport. Honestly, it sucks that TJ Dillashaw can't fight and that he was one of the greater champs and possibly the best 135-pound champ of all time. But now he isn't, Um, and I don't think he'll ever be in that discussion because of this. And it's a bummer. But that's just the way the world works. And honestly, I think the world's going to keep on churning. And I think the UFC is going to be fine. Uh, as I said, there's some great fucking fights I'm about to talk about. And I'm about to be, I'm really excited about. Uh, and a lot of other news has happened that I'm excited about. This is just one part of it. I mean, it's pretty big news. But uh, I think it'll keep on churning. The 135-pound division stronger than ever. You know, Sehudo's going to be moving up. He's moving up for... For that belt versus Marais, I'm actually going to be able to see that fight live. Pretty hyped about that in Chicago. Um, you know, you still got Cody Garbrandt. Who knows with uh, Dominic Cruz what he's doing. Uh, I know he's getting a little older and he's good with the uh, announcing job and stuff. And he's had tons of injuries. Uh, Pedro Munoz look good. Peter Yan. Um, there's a bunch of other guys I, I, I didn't name, but... You know, Aljamay Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, even though he's on a losing streak. And, you know, that division's going to keep on churning. And honestly, this is just going to make headlines. You know, it's going to be on ESPN. People are like, oh, shit. You you know, even if you don't know his name, you'll be like, oh, shit. This guy was on, on steroids and they suspended him for two years? Oh, fuck. Like, you might even just see this story. And, you know, it's fucked up to say this but it's true and if we don't know it by now then I don't know when you will but you know you know all press is good press pretty much I mean at least from a corporation standpoint and especially in fucking fighting uh in cage fighting quote unquote cage fighting um Any press is good press, especially bad press. Bad press sells, bad blood spells. That's why McGregor sells. That's why the next time if McGregor decides to fight, and I'm sure he will, it will be the biggest fucking fight ever. Um, That's why Bones is one of the biggest draws, because he's kind of like that bad guy. Um, And he's also one of the best ever. But yeah, um, I think if anything, this will just draw more fans in and just make make things more popular now people know this guy's name and you know if he does come back and fight which i'm sure he will he's a competitor he's a competitor and he just loves fighting it's within him and it's going to destroy him probably being out for two years but if he sticks to training and working out we'll be back better than ever at 35 like fucking gsp or something 
you know, won't take any damage for two years, and who knows, could be a fucking killer. And when he comes back, if and when, you know, the promotion's all going to be about him, you know, failing, failing these, uh, these drug tests. And it's going to be, you know, if he comes back, it's going to be a huge-ass fight, whoever he fights. Uh, so, I mean, it sucks right now, but I think nothing but good can come out of this. It shakes up 135 div- uh, division, uh, you know, gets, gets a new champ in there, um, gets uh, some of the other guys some shot. And there's always other guys that want to fight. There's always going to be that next guy in line. So... You know, I think it's good that he gets suspended for two years, too. Set an example, like, hey, motherfucker, you just can't be doing this. And I think everybody knows you can't do EPO. Like, what the fuck? TJ has, like, a huge, like, science team and shit behind him, too. So I don't... I don't know where they... I don't see how you can mistakenly take EPO. Like, you just did it. You just cheated. You've been trying to cheat. And maybe he only did it for this one fight when he was cutting down to 125 and he was kind of uh, deflated in his energy levels and he could sense it going the fight week or, you know, weeks leading up, the month leading up, you know, possibly. And, you know, maybe they started to implement it then. Or maybe he's been doing this the entire time and just now got caught. I don't know. Um, We'll just have to see. Honestly, I'd like to see him on Joe Rogan podcast and have Joe fucking talking to him about this and see what we can get out of him. But I doubt he'll be on there, honestly. If he does, I'll be very surprised. Um, and if he does, I'd definitely fucking watch it. Be one of the most. It'd probably be the heavily watched MMA podcast. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what what comes out about this shit. And now that we've got through the negative, and like I said, I don't think it's really a negative either, um, because nothing but good can come out of it, honestly. So yeah, that's that. I'll get myself a drink of water, maybe another bong root. And then talk about these fights. First fight... And, yeah, as always, I'll start from the very legit first fight of the night to the to the very end. So, if you're... I don't know. I don't even know what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. Honestly, I was going to say something very rude and insulting. But it didn't make any sense, so fuck it. <laughs> but first fight of the night. <laughs> State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. For UFC 236, Max Blessed Holla- Max Holloway versus Dustin the Diamond Poirier. The first fight of the night is between Brandon Davis and... <coughs> Nine nine and five Brandon Davis versus Randy Costa, who's four and zero. This is the one thirty five bantamweight <laughs> men's division. Uh, and yeah, <coughs> oh, fuck, <coughs> that hit, fucked me up. My bad. But uh, Brandon Davis, uh, 
Let's see the same height. Uh, looks like Brandon Davis was uh, is on a two five losing streak versus Zabit and Enrique Barzola, which those are two uh, very impressive fighters. Zabit Magomed Sherpiyov is you know one of the best in the game, one one of the best in the world. He's finally top ten, I believe, and I'm sure he's in line for a top five, if not a top. A top 10 fight for sure. Uh, you know, he just beat, beat up Jeremy Stevens. Um, so the fact Brandon Davis lost to him, you know, not surprised. He was a huge betting underdog. And he had a good fight versus, uh, versus a beat. And also lost versus Enrique Barzolo, who fought two weekends ago. And he lost, but he's a solid fighter as well. Solid uh, UFC fighter that belongs in the UFC. Um so yeah, uh, Brandon Davis was a Daniel White Tuesday Night Contender Series Season 1 uh, Week 4 winner. He won that, but since then has been 1-3 in the UFC. You know, two of those losses you know, versus the guys I just mentioned. Uh, but his one win is versus Steven Peterson, who fought, I think, two weeks ago as well. And was a solid fighter. I think he lost his fight as well, but he's still you know, a pretty solid guy. Um, so Brandon Davis is no slouch uh, but he will be facing a guy in Randy Costa that's making his UFC debut uh, he's 4-0 uh, 4-0 in Cage Titans FC on all of them first round KOs uh, his nickname is the Zohan because <laughs> he's got uh, great head kicks his stand up's pretty good uh, you know the competition you know, won't be on the level of the UFC and Brandon Davis has faced some legit fighters, although he doesn't have any crazy legit wins. Uh, you know, he's a solid fighter. Um, and although Costa hasn't been on the ground too much, uh, he did finish one of his fights through ground and pound. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, I think I ended up placing some money on Randy Costa just because he's making his UFC debut. Um, you know, he's making it versus a solid guy, and, you know, he's the underdog, he's plus 140 underdog, uh, and Brandon Davis is minus 160 favorite, and I don't know, I don't want to surprise me if Davis wins, I just literally just bet on the underdog, because I could see him possibly winning, and I like the numbers, um, I don't, and that's really it. Uh, so it'll be a very interesting fight to start out the night. Uh, Brandon Davis is kind of a brawler. He's got a good, he's got a good head. You know, stood in there with was a beat. I believe he survived the fight. Uh, we'll see how Costa does. He hasn't been out of the first round in any of his pro fights. As I said, they're all first round knockouts. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be able to do this here. Uh, um, because I mean, Brandon Davis has faced a guy in a beat that. Uh, his head kicks are definitely got to be, you know, you know, smoother and better than Randy Costa's. You know, not putting anything against him. But if I had to bet on that, I'm, I'm just saying I'm betting that to be probably his better head kicks. But, <laughs> yeah, good fight to start out the night. Uh, the next one's between Lauren Mueller and Pollyanna Botelho. Uh, Pollyanna's got a three-inch height advantage. Orthodox versus Orthodox. They don't have the reach for her, so who knows? Uh, my notes for this one. 
Lauren, the Princess Tiger Mueller, that's her nickname. Uh, she's five and one. Uh, Paulina Bodeo, seven and two. This is one fifteen women's division. And let's see, Lauren Mueller was on the Contender Series, season one, week eight. Where she got a win. She's one and one in the UFC since. Um, she lost her last fight by round one armbar, um, but that was her first pro loss. And she also fought in Beijing versus, uh, I forgot her name, but she's a very solid, uh, young, up-and-coming uh, Chinese women's fighter. I, think, I believe she's the only Chinese women's fighter. So I should figure out her name, and I think she's top 15 now. But um, she, actually dropped, uh, she actually dropped her, but then got trapped, and, you know, just got her arm trapped and got, got caught in an armbar and lost. Um... That was first loss. Um, so she see how she rebounds versus Pollyanna, who's two one in the UFC, but and she lost her last fight versus Cynthia Cavillo, who's a solid, uh, solid UFC fighter uh, by round one rear naked choke. Um, I I watched that and it was pretty clear that she's pretty green on the ground uh, in grappling. Uh, she definitely likes standing up and keeping her distance, uh, and she'll definitely have the distance, and I believe she'll have the reach advantage, uh, I don't have the, her reach uh, number in front of me, but she is three inches taller, so I'm assuming her arms will be longer than Lauren Mueller's, um, so we'll see, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, I think this classic striker versus brawler matchup, although Mueller's not like a ground expert, or submission, or uh, black belt jiu-jitsu artist, uh, um, you know, I think she'll want to keep it close and keep it in tight with Pollyanna just, and maybe, you know, get against the cage in the clinch and just, uh, kind of, uh, just annoy her and just, uh, keep that pressure on her. So we'll see how that plays out. It'll be an exciting women's fight, uh, 115 division. Uh, Laura Mueller's plus 140, uh, underdog. And Pollyanna is minus 170 favorite. Um, by the way, I'm getting all of these betting numbers off of my bookie. Um, this was website. And these numbers are when I, like, literally, probably like 30 minutes before I, I do this. I, that's the last thing I do is write down the odds because I want those to be as accurate as possible from the place that I'm actually betting on. Um, they do list odds on the ESPN website. They're supposed to list them on the UFC, but they haven't been doing that for the fights. I don't think anyone's actually updating the UFC website. They might want to hire some people, you know, just a website team or something. The camp, it's not that hard. Uh, well, that's besides the point. Uh, so, yeah, uh... I have Mark Diapoliana being a favorite, and she is the betting favorite, so I probably won't bet any money on that fight. But this will be an interesting fight. I could see Mueller pulling it out and getting the W. So we'll see. Uh, next fight, we got a good fight in the early prelims. When do these start? When are the early early prelims start at five fifteen p.m. and that's Central Time, so it'll be six fifteen p.m. Eastern. So I am Central Time Zone. Um, 
So we got Montel Jackson versus Andre Andre Sukumtata. Uh, next on the card, Montel Jackson seven one. Uh, Sukumtata is thirteen and six. This is one thirty five bantamweight division. Some, some two uh, up and comers in the division that could you know bring some fresh blood to you know the news with Dillashaw and shit. Maybe rise up the ranks here. Take advantage of some opportunities. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, where are my notes? Uh, Montel Jackson's from the Contender Series, Season 2, Week 1. Got a W there. He lost his UFC, UFC debut versus Ricky Simon, who I watched. we watched a couple weeks back. Uh, who's a pretty solid fighter and believe he got a win in that fight as well. It was a pretty cool uh thing to do with like a mohawk. He's a, he's got like a mohawk uh mohawk uh mullet. <laughs> and I mean if you're gonna be a UFC fighter, that's probably a haircut that you should have. Um But he lost his debut, got a win after that, uh versus Brian Keeler, who's a solid uh solid uh Solid fighter, solid UFC fighter. You know, he's not top 15. Maybe he can be there one day. And maybe he has in the past. Yeah, my bad. If you have, Brian, and I apologize. Uh, but Montel Jackson beat him in the first round by Darce Choke. Uh, you know, Montel's good at uh, controlling his distance. Uh, and he... Well, this is interesting. I forgot about this. I listened, I think it was in the Contender Series or during uh, the Keeler fight, one of the announcers or commentators mentioned that his, Montel Jackson at 135, has hands, his hands are bigger than Francis Ngannou, who's 265. He has to cut down to 265. So his hand's bigger than a guy that fights 130 pounds above him, which is just insane. Uh, he has huge hands. He has great grip. Uh, he literally was just holding onto a, uh, one of the guy's wrists in a f- previous fight and just punching him in the face just by holding his wrist. He wasn't holding his glove illegally, like putting a finger in his glove and holding him like that. He just held his wrist while the fighter was literally pulling away as hard as he could. And uh, he literally couldn't. That was just crazy impressive. Um, then Andre Sukuntada is 2-3 and three in the UFC. Uh, he won his last fight versus Jonathan Martinez, but that was Martinez's uh, UFC debut. That was back in October of last year. Uh, before that, he lost for Sean uh, Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley, uh, back in March of last year, and O'Malley broke his leg in that fight, and Sukumtada just decided to keep taking him down, although O'Malley couldn't stand. O'Malley pieced him up in the first two rounds. O'Malley's nasty. I can't wait for him to get back in the ring. Uh, that guy could be a potential star someday. It sucked. He broke his leg in that fight, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, before that, Sukumtada beat Luke Sanders by decision, or no, back in December of 17 by second round knockout. Uh, his nickname is the Asian Sensation. Uh, He's got good power. He's got good power in his uh, counter punches. Um, and it should be a decent fight. We'll see how it goes. I think, uh, you know, this might be 
you know, this is by far the largest uh, betting margin on, on the card. Uh, I think Montel Jackson could be a real star in this division, really any division. Uh, he's, he looks really athletic. He looks like a real solid fighter. And, you know, that's why he's the minus 525 favorite, while Sukumtaya's plus 375 underdog. Um, I had to bet I bet on Jackson, but I don't think it's worth it because he's such a favorite. And I, I, I think he'll probably get it done, most likely. I think he's better in every category and will just, just a better fighter, better athlete overall. So, yeah. Uh, and damn, that's a good fight to end out the early prelims between Curtis Millender and Bilal Muhammad. Um, Millender 17-4, Muhammad's 14-3. And this is at 170, the welterweight division. Um, Curtis Curtius Melander is 3-1 in the UFC. He, uh, he lost his last fight to Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, who's probably the best guy you've never heard of at 170. And I never heard of him until uh, Dos Santos fought somebody else. And I can't remember now he fought, but he looked nasty. Um... Millinder lost by one uh, the first round uh, rear naked choke. Uh, but that was his first loss in the UFC. He's looked solid before that. He's a solid, strong dude. I'll have a three-inch height advantage and four-inch reach advantage. And I think the athleticism and strength advantage. Um, but Muhammad's probably a little... I was going to say he's a more seasoned fighter, but Millinder's got more pro... Uh, Pro fights, you know, he's got 21 pro fights. Muhammad's got uh, 17 pro fights. But, um, Bilal Muhammad is 5-3 in the UFC. He's only had 8 fights in the UFC compared to, compared to Millinder's 4. Uh, Muhammad lost his last fight versus Jeff Neal, who's a fucking beast, uh, back in January. Um. Before that, he won versus Chan Serenicourt, or no, or he's won in the past versus Chan Serenicourt, Tim Means, and Jordan. Un, he was on a three-fight win streak, damn, versus Chance Rencounter, Tim Means, and Jordan Mean. So um, those are three solid UFC fighters, three solid UFC veterans that he beat in a row before he lost to Jeff Neal. And I think that just goes to speak to I mean, MMA math is always weird, doesn't always line up. You know, the transitive property doesn't always work just because, you know, guy A beats guy B and guy C beat guy B. It doesn't always mean that guy C will beat guy A, if that makes sense, if you if you uh, kept with me on that, because I barely did. <laughs> but uh, this will be a great fight to fucking end the early prelims. I can't wait to watch it. Uh think Millinder should probably squeeze it out and, and win this. Uh, he's plus 100 underdog to Muhammad's minus 130 favorite. Um, as I said, Muhammad's a more seasoned veteran UFC fighter, but Millinder's had more fights overall. Uh, it's just not as much as versus the higher competition. Muhammad's won versus some very solid guys. Millinder's first solid guy he faced was Dos Santos, and he, didn't, he looked really green in the grappling. Um We'll see how it goes. I might put some money on Millinder before the fight ends, as long as he's still an underdog. But it's so close. I don't. I don't know. I probably 
I'll be shaky about it until until we get there. Uh, so yeah, look forward look forward to that for sure. Um, and then to you know that closes out the early prelims to start. Oh, sorry, I'm kind of baked, man. And I wasn't feeling baked, uh, and now it just kind of hit me. But we're gonna get through it, guys. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> Uh, start off the prelims, and I didn't mention this before, but early prelims and prelims are on ESPN Plus. Oh, early prelims are on ESPN Plus, and the, these prelims are on ESPN. So that's cool. These fights will, uh, these next four fights that I'll talk about will all be on ESPN, the ESPN. So yeah. Uh, the first one to start out for the prelims is Boston Salmon versus Kalita, which, uh, are you sure that's your real name, Boston Salmon? Um, your parents love you. Did you get your name changed? Are you in witness protection? You know, what's going on there? You know, what's the story behind the name? And I bet somebody's probably already uh, uncovered that, and I just haven't Googled it. Maybe I'll Google it after this. Maybe I won't. I probably won't. Um, somebody tell me. <laughs> um, yeah, Boston Salmon. <laughs> It just doesn't even sound like a person. It just sounds like a... Yeah, let me get the Boston Salmon, you know? Meet it at the park. I'll probably sell it at Fenway Park. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Boston Salmon is 6-1. Cleta <laughs> is 12-2. Uh, this is two solid records right there. It was 135 men's division. Austin Samus minus one thirty favorite. Khalid Oz plus one hundred uh underdog. Um Boston Boom Boom Salmon. Uh, he's making his UFC debut. Uh some maybe we'll have a story from from John Anik uh beforehand on why his parents named him Boston Salmon. Um <laughs> He's from the Contender Series, Season 1, Week 1. He won that. Uh, he stands his go- ground solidly. Solidly, He's a very patient fighter. Uh, looks like he has some power, too, in his hands for 135. Um, I'm excited to see you know how he looks in his UFC debut in the Bright Lights. And, you know, the Bright Lights, oftentimes in people's UFC debut, the Bright Lights get them. You know, the crowd's crazy, and it's just so nerve-wracking. They never fought in front of this many people on TV. He's going to be on ESPN. He's kicking it off on ESPN. Um, so that is a lot of pressure, but a, a lot of times when these guys have been on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, um, you know, they're literally just fighting. and There's no fans or anything. It's just, like, your mom and your friends and the other fighters that are fighting that day. It's like maybe 40 people at most, and Dana White and, like, the matchmakers, and that's it. And you can hear everything in there. Um, And sometimes guys have said that those fights are more, you know, nerve-wracking than the fights in the the fucking uh, arenas with all the fans cheering and shit because you you can kind of drown that out. It's almost like white noise because you can't hear every single individual fan yelling at you or screaming. But you can in that little small environment, especially when it's just the UFC brass like right in front of you. I can see how that's more nerve wracking. So we'll see how he deals with uh, being a UFC rookie. Uh, I always look forward to new guys stepping into the ring. 
Uh, Khalid the Warrior Taha is 0-1 in the UFC. Uh, he made his debut versus Nan Narimani, who's, I've heard that name before. So a solid, solid guy. He lost to him. Uh, he looks kind of green in the grappling area, uh, but he has decent footwork and feints. Uh, so we'll see this fight go where this goes. Not too much. Uh, there's not too much film out there that I was able to find on either of these guys. Uh, looks like they're both kind of solid in the standard department. Uh, as I said, I said Taha was green in the grappling, at least from what I saw in his fight versus Narimani. Uh, haven't seen Salmon on the ground, um, so we'll see where this fight takes place. I don't know too much about these guys, so you know maybe we'll learn something about. Them. I mean, it's the fight to kick off the uh, ESPN prelim, so it's it's here for a reason. So look forward to it. Uh, the next fight is between Max Griffin and Zalim Amadeev. Uh, Max Griffin's 14-6, and six, and I know I fucked up Zalim's last name. He's 8-0 undefeated. Uh, I believe he's making a UFC debut. Oh, I should probably read my notes before I just start spewing shit off. But did a little research on this guy. kind of remember him. Uh, this 170 division. Um, welterweight. Fifth fight, sixth fight of the night. Uh, Max Griffin so far is 2-4 in the UFC. He's on a two-fight losing streak versus Thiago Alves back in February. But Thiago Alves is a solid guy. Been around for a while. And before that, uh, Curtis Millinder, who was fighting before on this card. Um, so he's lost to those two guys. And as I said before, Curtis Millinder is a solid dude. You know, in a tough matchup versus Bilal Muhammad. It's kind of weird that that fight is before this one. But okay. Whatever. Um... Yeah, uh, Max Griffin, I mean, he beat Mike Perry before that, so, and Mike Perry's a fucking scrapper, he's a brawler, he's ranked top 15, still might be, um, so he's a decent fighter, and he's fighting a guy in, uh, Zalim, that's making his UFA debut, he's only 24 years old, undefeated up to this point, all knockouts, there's only four fights, but uh, or eight, well, it's eight fights. Never mind. That's a decent amount of fights. Uh, this dude's got power. Uh, he's got some extreme power. Saw a couple of his fights. Uh, he's fighting. It looks like in some Russia, Russia organization. He's from around there. Uh, or he's from Russia. Um. And honestly, he looks like Khabib, but it looks like he could punch. Uh, you know, straight. Um, so we'll see how this fight plays out. I have marked that if I had to bet in the odds or in favor, favor of this guy, I'd bet on Zalim. Uh, but Zalim's actually a minus 120 favorite, and Max Griffin's minus 110. Uh, so real close there. I think it, it's kind of a coin flip, and I, I agree, because we don't really know how Zalim is going to look versus, you know, actually a USC caliber guy. And maybe... Max Griffin's not a UFC caliber guy. He's two and four in the UFC. You know, he's double losses than wins. Two fight losing streak versus two solid guys, and but he didn't beat Mike Perry before. So he deserves to still have a shot. Um so we'll see how this fight plays out. It's exciting. Uh next fight, great fight. Um we got number four, Wilson Hayes. Uh it was twenty three and nine versus 
Number five, Alexandre Pantoge, who's 20 and three, in the 125 flyweight division. Again, great to see uh, some flyweight fights too. Um, good to see they're still putting them on and they're not just going to close the division down. I don't see why not. If you got guys to fight, you know, just put them in between. You got so many events, just put them in between these cards, man. They just, they don't need to headline. They don't need to be huge stars. But these guys, you can't just expect guys to gain 10 pounds and then be as good as they are, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. But, um... Uh, Wilson Hayes is 7-5 in the UFC. He's been around for a while. Uh, his last W, his last win was versus Ben Ten Win. A solid, uh, young, I believe, Chinese fighter. If he's not Chinese, my fault. Um, before that, though, he had a three-fight losing streak versus John Moraga, Henry Cejudo, and then uh, Demetrius Johnson when he had the belt. Um, you know, Hayes has been around for a while. He's taken some damage. Uh, said he was on a little of a losing streak there, but then he came back and beat a solid uh, contender or at least prospect in Ben 10. Um, you know, he's not ranked number four for no reason. Uh, and Alexandra Pantoja is solid as well, man. A cannibal, that's his nickname. He's 4-1 in the UFC. His only loss is versus Dustin Ortiz, who's a top-ranked guy as well. Uh, he's currently on a two-fight win streak, and he's got very good submission skills. Um Guys are both from Brazil, so and I'm, and Hayes isn't a veteran of the game, so I'm pretty confident that he's got good takedown and good submission defense, if not offensive skills. I'm sure they're both uh, Brazilian black belt, Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu black belts. Uh, so it should be an exciting fight. They're both uh, decent stand-up. Hayes has got some powerful shots. Uh, he's got a chin too. Uh, so see how this goes. Uh, betting odds: uh, Hayes is plus one twenty underdog, and Pantoja is minus one fifty favorite. If I had to go favorite, I'd probably go with Pantoja. I actually didn't even mark a uh, box on who I thought it would win because I wasn't really sure. And now, since I wasn't sure, and Hayes is the underdog, I might place a bet on him. But I don't know. I'm still kind of leaning towards Pantoja, but. You know, I could see it going anyway, either way. And to close out the prelims on ESPN, we have Jalen Turner, who's 8-4, versus Matt Frivola, who's 6-1. This is at 155 lightweight division. Uh, Jalen the Tarantula Turner, 8-4. He's 23 years old. Uh, he's 1-1 one one in the UFC, uh, both by uh, first-round knockouts. Uh, you know... Got the win. Uh, he's from uh, the Contender Series, Season 2, Week 4. Um, he's a solid, solid fighter. Uh, he's very long and tall for the division. He's 6'3 at 155 pounds, which is just insane. I'm 6'2, and at my leanest, I got down to 165. You know, I was just kind of like starving myself and just trying to eat as healthy as possible and not be a fat fuck and also save money. Um, so I can't imagine getting down 10 pounds below that. Could probably do it, goddamn, it'd be hard. And this guy's a top, you know, an inch taller than me. Um, and, uh, you know, he's fighting a guy in Matt Frevola who's 5'9". So he's got, you know, half a foot of height on him and half a foot of reach advantage, six inch reach advantage. And a southpaw versus orthodox, so... 
you know, if you just keep the jab, 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 um, you should be able to keep him at distance, keep, uh, you know, use some kicks and use his athleticism to get dub. We'll see. Uh, but Matt, the steamroller for Vola, uh, he's a solid fighter. He's not going to give up. He's from Sierra Longo uh, fight camp. Uh, so, you know, he's got that toughness, that Long Island toughness, that swagger. Uh, he's also from the Contender Series, but from Season 1, uh, Week 8. He's currently 0-1-1 in the UFC, so looking for his first UFC win still. Um, he last had a decision loss for his land of Venados, a solid... Uh, oh, no, he had a draw versus uh, Lando Venados' last fight. And honestly, I watched some of that fight. I only watched the first round, and I just knew how it's going to play out from there. It was just kind of boring, and they just kind of went back and forth all the time, and nothing really, really happened, honestly. Um, but before that, he got knocked out by Polo, Polo Reyes in the in the first round. Uh, so we'll see how he deals with uh, with Turner. Uh, Turner's minus twenty one twenty favorite versus. Uh, for Volos minus one ten, uh, so betting odds are pretty close, which I'm actually kind of surprised by. Um, but I guess I'm also not. Uh, Turner's also look kind of green on the ground. You know, he's still a young guy. He's only I think I said twenty four, twenty. He's only twenty three. Um, um, so we'll see how we'll, we'll see how that fight goes. So it was a very interesting fight to end out the end out the prelims. Um, if I had to bet on somebody and if odds were better, I'd bet on Jalen Tarantula Turner, just because of athleticism and distance uh, and speed. Um, we'll see how it plays out in Fravola. You know, just as I said earlier, between uh, I think Laura Mueller and Paulino Modeo. Um, if he can get inside and just make it brawl and just keep that pressure, you know, you maybe get in the clinch, maybe get him in the ground, and, you know, just beat him up, you know, get him bloody, uh, definitely have a shot, you know, that's why it's a fight, and, you know, he's a solid guy as well, so I look forward to that fight, It'll close out the ESPN uh, uh, prelims, and now I'm going to take a little break, uh, and then we will discuss the main card, and then the rest of the UFC news I didn't get to. Um, so yeah, I'll be back. All right, and welcome back. And if you're still listening, can you? Are you asking yourself how the fucking long can this shit be? Yeah, man. I told you in the beginning. I had some things I was really excited to talk about. Lots of news. Some really great fights. Been looking forward to the UFC 236 card for a while now. Especially the main card. The main card is fucking lit. Um, I'm super excited for it. So let's just fucking get into it, man. Um, start off the main card. Main card fights. We got OSP, OSA Peru versus Nikita, Nikita Krylov. Uh, OSP is ranked number 12 in the world. He's 23 and 12. Krylov is 24 and 6. And this is at a 205. Uh, light heavyweight division. OSP is 11-7 in the UFC. Um, he lost his last fight versus Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes 
Ah, uh, Uda Dominic Reigns just fight. God damn, I can't remember. But Dominic Reyes just fucked. Oh no, he won a controversial. Yeah, he just won a fight, but it was controversial, I remember. Damn. I might have to look that up. But either way, um. Either way, uh, OSP, yeah, sure, lost first Dominic Reyes. Uh, da, 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 da. But a solid fighter. He, he he fought for the belt versus John Jones a while back, um, and he also beat his opponent Nikita Krylov uh, back in 2014 via Von Vluchok, I believe. And uh, OSP has beat so many people with the Von Vluchok that commentators have started calling it the OSP choke. Because he's done it several times now, and I think more times than Von Flew did it. And I don't even know who Von Flew is, and I'm sorry that I don't. Um, but just being honest. Um, as far as Nikita Krylov, he, Nikita, the minor, Krylov, uh, he's 6 and 4 in the UFC altogether. Uh, this is actually his second stint. He. He was in the UFC a couple years back. What years exactly? I got kind of lazy on the research towards the main card, didn't I? That's because I kind of know some of these guys, so I kind of just thought I'd remember. But he, his first in the UFC was between 2013 and 2016. Let's see, he had about 10 fights or so in between then and now. Um, I guess nine, and then he last came back versus Jan Blackowitz, um, a UFC fight night hunt versus Olenek in September of 2018. So that's September of last year. He last fought in the UFC versus Jan. Um, he did lose, but it looks like he's staying in the UFC for this time being. He'll be fine in OSP. I lost versus Jan in uh, arm triangle. And so if if he's vulnerable to submissions, then it's possible that he might get caught and, and lose this one as well. But he also has a bunch of... He's 14-5 by submissions. He has 14 submissions in his wins in his past, but also five losses by submissions. So we'll see how this plays out. I'm not too sure how good his stand-up game is. Um, he does have some KOs. Um... So, I mean, solid fighter, only 27, too, and he's got fucking 31 fights. Uh, so, it's definitely not a pushover for OSP. Uh, and the betting, lining, the betting line shows that. It's minus 115 for both guys. And, you know, I'm picking OSP just because I think he's a, a more athletic guy. Taller. Um, uh, same height, 6'3", but he's got a reach advantage, 2.5-inch reach advantage. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. It's Southpaw versus Orthodox. So OSP's got Southpaw uh, advantage. Um, so we'll see. That's a that's a very interesting fight to start off. Start off the main card for sure. Uh, then after that, we got 
Alan Jobon versus Dwight Grant. And Jobon, 16 and 6. Six names Braham, Brahman, Brahma, I guess. I don't know. And Dwight, he's fighting Dwight Grant, who's 9 and 2, so that 170 welterweight division. Uh, the betting odds are also minus 115 for both guys. Um, uh, Joel Bond's been fighting since 2014. He's 7-4 in the UFC. Um, last got a win versus Ben Saunders by second-round knockout. Um, but before that, he lost to Nico Price and Gunnar Nelson, which are two solid, solid fighters. Uh, Gunnar Nelson's obviously top 15, even though he lost versus Leon Edwards a couple weeks ago. Uh, Nico Price is a solid fighter as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top 15 uh, soon. You know, in this next couple fights. Um, and then, also before those, before those losses to Nico Price and Gunnar Nelson... Joban beat Mike Perry and Bilal Muhammad, who are two solid UFC veterans. Um, and I wouldn't be certain Perry just had a number by his name if he still doesn't. And I don't know if Bilal Muhammad has in the past, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he does in the future. Um, so Joban's a really solid fighter. Um, and so is Dwight Grant, Dwight the Body Snatcher Grant. Um, he's American Kickboxing Academy trained. He's from the Contender Series, Season 2, Week 2. So far, he's 1-1 one one in the UFC. He won his last fight by first-round knockout, and, um, and he lost his debut versus Zach Otto. And Zach Otto's had a couple fights in the UFC now. Uh, I think he was on the Contender Series as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can't blame a guy for using losing the debut. Uh, maybe he had jitters, who knows? Uh, but this should be a solid fight. Um, I'd probably say that every fight, but I fucking mean it. Dwight Grant's a very athletic dude. Both guys are athletic. Both guys are fucking in, in very good shape. Uh, Grant will have a four and a half reach advantage, so he'll probably most likely get look to use that. He likes to switch stanches back and forth. He's got good footwork, uh, good stand-up. Um, and I think Joe Bond's a kind of a solid, decent all-around fighter. He's a southpaw guy. Um, like I said, betting odds are, are straight up here. Uh, I mean, they're not straight up, but minus 115 for both guys. It's kind of a pick em fight. Um, I do have Mo- Joe Bond marked in my little box where I think, you know, once I do my research on a fight, I just... Mark, which one I think in that moment after doing the research, after watching both guys fight, who I think will probably win. And that's not seeing betting odds or anything. Um, so I have Joban for that, but I don't really know who's going to win, and I'm not going to bet on that fight. Um, but I look forward to definitely seeing it. These guys, uh, 170, these guys could definitely be uh, potential contenders in the near future. Um, two um, very good prospects. And they both can get a decided win versus either, you know, versus their opponent. Definitely, you know, put them on that top 15 uh, foreground, if that's even the right word to use. Uh, The next fight is 
It was a fucking solid fight. Third to the last uh, fight of the night. Before we get into the two title fights. Uh, we got Eric Anders, who's 11-3. Versus Khalil Roundtree, who's 7-3. This is at 205, light heavyweight division. Uh, Anders, Anders is a former... Uh, Alabama football product, uh, I believe played linebacker there. I remember when he was playing, he was a fucking beast. So far as three and three in the USC, uh, he does have a two fight losing streak versus Elias Theodoro and Tiago Santos. And although he does have three wins, he doesn't really have any big wins versus big name guys. Um, you know, he tore up before he got in the USC. He was undefeated. I think he was 8-0. And, and since then, you know, he's ran to some guys that have been doing this for a little while. You know, he's just still kind of getting into it. This He's just kind of like a brawler right now. He just throws uh, and just scraps and kind of doesn't have any other plan besides throwing down. Uh, so we'll see if he adjusts. I think we'll need to with Khalil Roundtree. Um... And, you know, uh, his last two losses were versus very good guys. Elias Theodoro is a fucking very unorthodox striker. Um, very solid. Top 15, if not top 10. He might be right now top 10. Let me check real quick. I do have the rankings pulled up. Um, fuck, they don't even have him in the top 15. Well, I thought he was. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong division. Let's say 185. Uh, uh, so Anders is going up to 205. He was fighting at 185. It's crazy because I thought he fought at 170, went up and fought Santos. I don't know. Or no. Santos was down at 185 too when they fought. I don't know. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's 205. But Theodore is top. He's 14 and 185. But this is a 205 fight. And maybe Anders is staying here. Maybe he'll be stronger and be able to, you know, last long in the ring. We'll see. Um, but he he's facing, you know, kind of a UFC veteran. You know, he's had seven fights now in the UFC. He's four and three in Khalil Roundtree, eight and three overall. You know, he's still relatively new to the sport. He actually, has less professional fights than Anders. Um, but dude's a solid athlete as well. Uh, he looks more like a 205-er, more, more built and bigger than Anders, even though they're both 6'1". Um, you'll have a one-and-a-half reach advantage. That's Roundtree. Um, his nickname's The War Horse. He was in the Ultimate Fighter 23 finale, but he, actually, but he ended up losing that. Uh, his last fight, he lost to Johnny Walker, who's... Top 15 guy we all know of. He might be facing John Jones or whoever the light heavyweight contender is at that time in the future. Uh, we'll see. Um, before that, it'd be Gogan Saki. So he's be solid strikers in the past and guys that, you know, have, you know, Anders definitely doesn't have the technical proficiency of Gogan Saki's boxing. But nonetheless, they're both heavily concentrated on the feet um so we'll see how this goes maybe roundtree will look to go to the ground but he averages zero takedowns per fight so maybe not maybe anders will do that i keep wanting to say anders from fucking workaholics i can't help it how about eric anders don't kick my ass
in Roll Tide. <laughs> um, but yeah, Anders is a favorite, minus 190, and Roundtree is plus 155. Um, I have Roundtree marked as my box to win, so we'll see. And it's a favorable matchup as far as betting wise, but it won't surprise me if Anders wins. Uh, he's probably the more explosive athlete, more fast with twitch muscle. Um, but we'll see. Um, it'll definitely be an interesting fight and a great lead in to the two title fights that foreseed it. Um, in the co-main event, we got Kevin Gastelum, number four. Kevin Gastelum, who's on a mission for gold, sixteen and three, versus Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, who's ranked number five. And this is a one eighty-five pound uh, middleweight division, and this for the interim interim championship. Um, as you may be aware. Uh, the current champ, Robert Whitaker, was scheduled to fight Kevin Gastelum, I think, about a month ago now um, in UFC Australia or something like that. It wasn't a month, but maybe two months ago now. Um, and Adesanya was also on that card versus Anderson Silva, and that ended up being the main event because Whitaker had a pullout because he had, he had a hernia and he had to have surgery otherwise. You know, he had life-threatening uh emergency hernia surgery um so obviously he wasn't able to fight that night and now you know i believe he was just recently medically cleared so he's just now probably getting back in the gym getting back in shape and you know while he gets ready uh, to get back in shape uh these two are gonna slug it out for five rounds for the five um for the interim belt number four versus number five um it should be a really good fight a very uh very interesting, interesting fight in um, the comparison of styles. Uh, Kevin Gastelum's got really good. He's got good boxing. Um, he likes to get inside on guys and you know throw some really good left hooks. I believe he's southpaw, right? Yeah, he's southpaw. Um, he's got a good. Let's see, southpaw. He's got a good right hook, uh, but also a really good left hook, which. Uh, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> Adesanya who's undefeated in MMA, which is darn near impossible to do at all, and then especially you know make your way up the UFC rankings, you know make it the UFC undefeated, and then to face UFC fighters and still go undefeated is just unfathomable. You know, one other person has done that so far, and that's Habib. Um, you know, I don't think any fighters ever retired undefeated um that's just the name of the game but Asanya is the last style bender uh he likes to keep things outside using strike advantage and just basically be in the matrix and fuck guys up that's what it seems like when he fights um it's a very interesting fight i look forward to it i'm very excited it's five rounds uh if Asanya can do what he wants and keep it on the distance um, I think he should win the fight pretty handedly. He is minus 175 favorite versus Gaslam's plus 145 underdog, and that's just right now. As I said before, just right before I do this, I write those numbers down, so they'll probably change from by the time you hear these, or by the time the fight starts, so I'm sure that'll fluctuate. But um, 
if um, Adesanya can keep it on the keep it on the distance, he should have his way. But we should also, you know, Gaslam's got a strong chin. He's a strong fighter, especially since he's moved up to middleweight. Uh, he just looked like a completely different fighter, just like the champ did, Robert Whitaker. Uh, and I think it's been a huge difference for both of them. And I think if Adesanya does pick him apart in the early rounds and, you know, just kind of does what he wants, we'll see what Gaslam's made of. We'll see that heart and that determination and that just, you know, kind of Justin Gaethje will to just go forward at all costs. And, you know, we'll see how... We'll see how it goes, or maybe Adesanya just finishes it quickly, or Gaslam's able to, you know, take a couple shots and move in quickly and land some, um, you know, have some good head movement and duck down, you know, left to the left or right, and you know, get him with a hook or uppercut or overhand uh, coming in. Um, you know, it's a very interesting matchup, good contrast in styles and. I really look forward to it. I'm really glad it's fucking five rounds. Um, could be a potential... Uh, could just be a potential war out there. You know? Especially... You know, Adesanya is just so much taller and longer than him. He has a seven-inch height advantage. And an eight-inch reach advantage. Who knows how much the leg reach advantage is. That's even bigger um so we'll see how it goes uh, it'll be very very interesting i can't fucking wait um and just some background on these guys i probably should have said that first but i was so excited about it i just want to start talking about whatever's on my head um kevin gaslam was the ultimate fighter 17 winner versus uriah hall on the same season that Uriah Hall, like, I believe spinning wheel kick uh, somebody into oblivion, and everyone thought he was the shit, be the next great thing. And Gaslam came in there, and nobody wanted him. I believe he was the last pick. And then ended up being everybody, ended up being Uriah Hall in, in the finale there. And I think they're both boys now. They train together. They, like, might be roommates. Um... But Gaslam's 11-3 in the UFC. Uh, his last, um, he would be 12-3. But his fight versus Vitor Belfort, where he TKO'd him the first round, was overturned because Gaslam tested positive for a marijuana metabolite. So the fuckers took his W away because he was getting smoking weed. He was just stupid. Um... So my heart goes out to you. <laughs> uh, but his first ever pro loss was versus Tyron Woodley um, at one, 180, which was a catch weight. Because and I think the main reason he moved up to 185 was because he had problems missing or making 170. He's kind of a tweener. Um, maybe 185 is too big for him, but I don't know. He's on the precipice of winning the title now. Uh, so there's that. He then after that had a fight versus Nate Marquardt, or he won at 185, and then he had a catchweight with Johnny Hendricks, I believe around one, around the 170 limit, and Hendricks missed weight. And then after that, he returned to middleweight. Since then, he's been in middleweight and he's gone on a tear and beat Tim Kennedy his first 
fight back at middleweight and kind of stayed there since. Uh, as I said before, Stylebender is undefeated. He's 5-0 in the UFC. He's beating Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson, and Anderson Silva. Back to back to back. Uh, he's 25-5-1 as a pro kickboxer before he got into MMA. And actually, I mean, he was doing the same at the both times. So his last pro boxing fucking match was in 2017. It was like right before he entered uh, UFC, I believe. Uh, so it was a great fight. Um, if I had to pick a winner, you know, you could probably tell I'd probably go out of Sanya. But it will definitely be a close, interesting fight, and I can't fucking wait. I'm hyped for it. And I'm even more hyped for the fucking main event. Because we got Max Blessed Holloway moving up to 125. 155 division, and yes, it's an interim belt as well because it could be suspended. But he's still moving up nonetheless to capture two belts simultaneously. Literally doing the same thing that McGregor did, same divisions. Um, but he's trying to do it more impressively, in my opinion. Because um, Holloway stuck around 145 and beat, you know, and he defended that belt four times consecutively. He had a he has a thirteen winning streak, all in that division. Um, and he's cleaning everyone out. Beat Jose Aldo twice decidedly. Even though Connor starched in fourteen seconds, he absolutely dominated Jose Aldo from opening bell to the end. Um, and now he moves up to one fifty five. I'd love to see Holloway versus like Poirier. Or Fergus, or he's fighting Poirier, but I would love to see him versus Habib, you know, the legit champ, or versus uh, Tony Ferguson. But Dustin Poirier is right up there, too, and I'm so fucking glad Poirier is getting a title shot finally, man. Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Uh, so Holloway's a champ at 145, uh, 20 and 3. Poirier's ranked number 3 at 155, he's 24 and 5. Um. Do some background before I talk about too much of the fight itself. Max Bless Holloway, uh, he actually made his debut versus Dustin Poirier. So you guys have fought in the past. Uh, that was back in 2012, so fucking seven years ago now. Um, he lost by around one armbar. Um, but he's 16-3 in the UFC. Um... You know, he strung a couple wins together at the Poirier loss, but then had back-to-back losses versus Dennis Bermudez and then Conor McGregor in 2013. Um, but he hasn't lost since since that McGregor loss. He's had a 13-fight win streak, uh, four straight title defenses, and four straight stoppages versus... Uh, fuck, I forgot who he defended against first, but I know the two after that were versus Aldo, and then... Ortega, which he just absolutely dominated Ortega. Okay, he beat Pettis and then would probably beat Pettis for the belt. And then, so he's had three title defenses. Um, Beat Pettis for the belt, defended the belt against Aldo twice, and then Ortega. Who was really the only other contender left in 145. So he's cleaned that division out. Beat everyone else on the way up. And beat Aldo twice, who was... 145 pound king so now all he can do is move up and 
I'm fucking excited about this fight, man. Dustin the Diamond Poirier, he made his UFC debut back all the way at UFC 125, believe it or not, and this is 236. So 101 cards since his debut. That was back in 2011. Um, he fought Holloway, his fourth UFC fight. That was about his 10th professional fight overall, as I said before. He beat him in the first round by armbar. Um, you know, I don't think any anybody really has and you know, hold on, let me get too involved in the fight. But uh Poirier's sixteen and four in the UFC and just a really solid fucking record. It's hard to believe a guy sixteen and four in the UFC hasn't uh, had a title shot yet. And I think it's probably just because he's had losses at just at the at the worst times. Um at least his last loss versus Michael Johnson was just at the worst time. But uh his only losses are versus uh and these are in a row. Uh, Chan Sung Jung back in 2012 by in round four by Darsh Choke. He then lost to Cub Swanson in 2013. As you know, Cub Swanson saw a guy. Um, Poirier also lost to McGregor back in 2014 by first round knockout when McGregor was first stepping on the scene. Um, and kind of made everyone realize that McGregor was legit because Poirier had been in the in UFC for already three fucking years and already had you know tons of fight under his belt uh Poirier then then went on to have a decent amount of wins and long win streak and was like okay this guy's gonna start to be contender then he got knocked out by Michael Johnson in the first round back in 2016 um but since then he's got a four win winning streak uh he beat Jim Miller and then Anthony Pettis and then Justin Gaethje and then Eddie Alvarez um and he actually fought Eddie Alvarez twice. He fought him in between there, back at UFC 211. And the fight was actually stopped because Alvarez landed illegal knees to Poirier's head while he was down. So there's illegal blows and Poirier could not continue. So it was a no contest. Um, but besides that, you know, he's had... A f- Four wins in a row versus four solid guys. You know Alvarez just lost in one championship. He's a solid dude. Um, you know, former former champion, Justin Gaethje's fucking beast. He just beat Barbosa, just destroyed Barbosa, starts him in the first round. And, um, you know, was on his way to the title shot as well. Um, and Pettis, um, what can you say about Pettis? Just fucked up Wonder Boy. What the fucking... Superman punch coming off the cage. Um, Sapori's legit, man, and I'm really fucking glad he's actually getting a shot uh, at the belt finally. Uh, Could have lined up better for him. And whoever wins this fight has first dibs at Habib. Um, and, you know, Tony Ferguson was the number one contender and had the interim belt before this. He was offered this fight, but he refused it because he said he was already an interim champion. He deserves the fucking title shot now. But now, because he refused it, this fight's going to happen. People are going to watch it. And whoever wins this this fight has next, has, neck, has next crack at Habib. And that's just the way it is, man. It's the nature of the business. Um, it sucks, but that's how it is. Um, no poetry. Mm. Yeah, this is going to be a really solid fight. Uh, Max Holloway is a minus 220 underdog. Our favorite. And Poirier is plus 180 uh, underdog, if I had a bet or bet Holloway. But 
the odds are against him, so I probably won't put any money on this fight. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Holloway has a, although he's moving up in weight, he's big for 145, and he's actually big for 155. He's 5'11". So I'll have a two-inch height advantage, but Poirier will have a three-inch reach advantage, 72-inch to 69. Um, they list Holloway as orthodox, but he switches uh, stances fluidly. Poirier is a southpaw, but I believe he's also mixed in um, switching stances in his game. Um, both are excellent strikers, like to use their distance, uh, but both aren't afraid to get in close grap- uh, and grapple. You know, as I said before, Poirier fucking beat him in Holloway's debut. Uh, by submission but that was that was back in 2012 I don't really see either one of these guys submitting uh, each other unless you know they're beat up pretty bad and that's just where the fight takes it I kind of see this fight standing on the feet and them just trading back and forth and you know going going blow for blow and the last man standing I think Holloway probably has the speed and accuracy advantage and just output advantage but but we'll see. I mean, Poirier looked really solid versus Eddie Alvarez and Gaethje. Uh, he basically has the same approach as Holloway. But Holloway just looks so damn good versus Ortega, man. I don't I don't know. I don't know how you can go against that man. And he hasn't lost in forever. And Poirier's on, a, on a, you know, a hot streak, and he's a good, solid fighter. And deserves the shot. But damn. Holloway's one of the best, man. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, man. And it should be fucking awesome. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Um, so, that being said, that closes out the main card. That closes out the preview for these fights. And although I'm an hour and a half in, I still do have more shit to talk about, believe it or not. Because a lot of news has been happening. Um, and something that actually happened today as well, Ross Pearson announced his retirement from MMA. Uh, which means he's, you know, not, will no longer be fighting the UFC. Um, he fought two weekends ago in the last card, and you know he's been around for a while. He's finished his record 21 and fifteen. He's had tons of fights, and you know he got knocked out pretty good versus uh, fuck I forgot this guy's name, but oh Desmond Green, and. Said he had some tough talks with his family and his coaches and friends, and decided it was the best time. It was best to step away. And congrats to him on on a great career and being able to, you know, step out on your own terms. And although although the last couple of fights didn't go your way, and career might have ended as you dreamed of when you first started. Um, you definitely had a successful career. I hope you had made some decent money. Um, fan favorite for sure and you know stay relevant Ross um, people like you and I know his countrymen like him um, so yeah uh, next weekend we got Alexi Olenek versus Alistar Overeem UFC fight night for 420 hey um, so I'll be doing a preview episode next weekend about, or next week about that, and I believe that fight was announced pretty, pretty recently, that's why I have it in my notes, um, so both guys are, 
coming on short notice or whatnot. And be an interesting fight over him hasn't fought in a while. And Alexi Olenek is a beast uh, submission, submission specialist in the fucking heavyweight division. Which is weird. You wouldn't think that, but it's cool to see. Um, I guess some more news. The weekend after that was supposed to be Yoel Romero versus Jacare Souza. Um, that fight is now off as... And that is uh, for 4-27, April 27th, UFC Fight Night in Miami. Uh, supposedly, Yoel Romero came down with pneumonia, and so he pulled out of the fight. And on short notice, but the cool thing is, uh, the main event's not gone, and Jacare will still be fighting. And Jack Hermanson is going to replace Yoel Romero, and I think it's fucking great for Hermanson. He fought a couple weekends ago. And looked really solid versus uh, versus David Branch. You know, David Branch is a solid black belt uh, jiu-jitsu pr- practitioner, but Hermanson got in there and choked him out in the first round pretty quickly in 50 seconds. And, you know, this guy's top game, this guy's grappling pressure is just off the charts. I know Jocker is a fucking black belt, and his jiu-jitsu is fucking is special. Um, so it should be an interesting fight. Jack Ray's uh, stand-up's really improved. I haven't seen too much of of Jack Hermanson's uh, stand-up. I don't think it's on Jack Ray's level, but uh, we'll see. Come two week two weekends from now, and uh, and obviously I'll have a preview episode for that. And, you know, um, and look forward to speaking about those fights and watching it. Uh, and I think it's great for Hermanson stepping up there and just being like, you know, even if he loses versus Jack Ray, he doesn't lose anything he wasn't even ranked and Jacare is a top top two guy top three guy um let me see where he's ranked right now I got it right here he's Jacare Souza is fucking ranked third right now so he's top three guy in 185 oh they got Hermanson ranked 10 now so I mean it's a great move by Hermanson but he probably called Dana and was like hey let me get that fight and he's gonna be back in there quickly so I fucking I dig it. Uh, also, some more fight announcements. Uh, Michael Chiesa uh, and Diego Sanchez have uh, agreed to fight each other on the stacked July 6 card for UFC 239 in Las Vegas. Uh, it's going to be an awesome fight. Chiesa last fought Carlos Condit and submitted him. Uh, and Chiesa is moving up to... We moved up a division for the last fight. I don't know what division that is. So my bad for even mentioning it. But we're fighting Diego Sanchez. And I don't think either guys are ranked right now. But after this fight, and if they win in deciding fashion, but one of them definitely should, uh, especially Chiesa. Um, and Diego Sanchez looked really solid versus Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is like a consummate... Uh, wrestler I believe he's all-american wrestler in college and um you know Diego Sanchez just went in there and big brothered him and just uh smothered him and just stayed on top and used that MMA wrestling and that MMA pressure to fucking dominate and control the entire fight um so it has to be a super awesome fight versus versus these two guys Diego Sanchez has been around since Ultimate Fighter 1 which is just insane 
and Kias has been around for a while. I think he's looked he hasn't you know he's looked better than ever versus uh, versus Condit, and I think the move up I believe up to one seventy is a good move for him. Um, so I look forward to that fight definitely. Um, and last but not least, and it's least because it's not UFC fight announcement, but it's still a fight announcement from two UFC, former UFC fighters to UFC legends. Um, Chill Sonnen has decided to fight uh, Leota Machida at Madison Square Garden on June 14th for Bellator Promotions at 205 Light Heavyweight Division. Um, you know, even though both guys are outside their prime and don't really have an argument for best in the world and, you know, wouldn't be top 15 in the UFC today. Um, it's a cool fight just to put on for namesake. Uh, it was contrasting styles for sure. Trail Sonnen likes to wrestle and grapple, uses pressure. Um, and Leona Machida, the dragon... You know, just like a fucking out of a video game. His stand-up is some of the best ever. Um, you know, kind of pioneer in the stand-up MMA world. And it'll be an interesting fight nonetheless, even though both guys are past the prime. Um, it'll still be a great fight. I don't know if that's a main event or not. So I don't know if that's three or five rounds. I hope it's three. Because if it's longer than that, they might guess out. Um... Yeah, that's it. That's all I got for today. Um, Long ass episode, but fuck it. That's do what I want and don't have to listen. So, yeah. If you are, I love you and have a good night. (laughs) Peace.